Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. Each episode, I speak with industry experts from the attractions world. In today's episode, I speak with Laura Chiplin, Head of Visitor Attractions at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. We discuss the concept of a football club as an attraction and how Spurs have taken the visitor attraction concept to a whole new level. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify and all the usual channels by searching Skip the Queue. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm really excited to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be talking to you too. Well, I've been very kind with the icebreaker questions, I think. I hope so. (laughs) I have. Don't worry. Okay, so start with this one. If you could take three things to a desert island, what would they be? Oh, I would take... Sun cream, so I don't want to get sunburn. Sick. Very important. Maybe a barbecue, so I can then cook some nice fish. I don't think I'd be that good at making barbecue on my own. I probably wouldn't last very long at all. Um, but I could, you know, lying there, a bit of fish on the, on the barbecue. <laughs> what, what would my final thing be? A good book, a really long book, so that it would <laughs> take a long time to read. A long book <laughs> that you could read over and over and over again and not get bored exactly yeah I like that's that on my list now I've got this picture of you like hunting for fish as well with like a spear yeah strong woman yeah absolutely that's definitely the vibe I'm going for <laughs> <laughs> good okay if you could choose a talent to grow and develop what would you most like to learn actually this one's quite topical so um at the weekend my brother and I made some curtains and when I say we did it together. He mainly did it. He's very talented. Uh, you know, he can really turn his hand to anything. But now having made the curtains, I now need to make, you know, other blinds and curtains. So I think having like a practical skill like sewing or, you know, something like that, actually, it's nice because you can help other people. It's, you know, something you can do yourself. It's quite mindful as well. You know, if it all goes well. Something like that, I think, would be quite good. And curtains are also very expensive, so that's also another positive. <laughs> they are really expensive, like phenomenally expensive. Um, I really like that you picked that one because that's one of my goals this year is to learn how to use the very beautiful sewing machine that is sitting up in my spare room, just looking pretty and not, not getting a lot of action. We'll have to learn together. We can be accountability partners on yeah. that one. All right, noted. <laughs> um, have you ever been mistaken for somebody famous? Oh, don't. Uh, when I worked at the Barbican, the guys always used to take the mick out of me and said I look like Celine Dion, <laughs> which I absolutely <laughs> do not look like Celine Dion. I love her. Absolutely love her. She's brilliant. Obviously, some great tunes, but she's quite a bit older than me. Mm. And I'm not sure we look like each other. But yeah, my old colleagues at the Barbican had a bit of a running joke with that one. I do love karaoke as well and singing. So that was probably part of it. There's a bit of a link there then. Yeah. I mean, you are very fresh-faced. She is considerably <laughs> older than you. But there is a little touch there. I would say there is a touch of Celine there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally walked into that one. So <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Well, what's your unpopular opinion then? Oh, my unpopular opinion is fruit in puddings. If it's got fruit, in my mind, it should not be a pudding. Pudding should be... Chocolate, meringue, cream. I don't want to see any fruit in sight. Not even an apple crumble. I knew you were going to ask this. So 
apple crumble is only acceptable if the ratio of apple to crumble is like 25% apple and 75% crumble and they're like 100% cream on top of that. <laughs> it's very specific ratios there. <laughs> There's no thin crumble toppings. I'm, I'm not into that. It's like a very thin layer of apple and then a hell of a lot of crumble. And really, it's all about the cream, in all honesty. Absolutely. It's the best Absolutely. Bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Um, I would love to know what people feel about the whole fruit in pudding scenario. Hmm. I'm probably with you because mine's a chocolate brownie. That's the best pudding. Yeah, anything chocolate. I'm more than happy. I'm, I'm up for that. Good. So, excellent. Thank you for sharing. Um, I want to talk about today the concept of a football club as a visitor attraction now listeners you all know that I am a big Tottenham fan so I'm really excited that I've got Laurie in from Spurs today and I think we've all we've all become quite accustomed to stadiums having stadium tours and that's pretty much the norm for a football club but Spurs have taken the visitor attraction concept to a whole new level and I want you to tell us about it today so can you share with us the experiences that Tottenham now offer as a as a visitor attraction Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, um, stadium tours, which are, you know, something that happen um, in many stadiums across the UK and the world. So we have a stadium tours programme here. So um, we offer a number of stadium tours, but our main one, which most visitors will go on, will take them through some of the key areas of the stadium. So really go behind the scenes and get uh, to see the places that they would never normally, uh, you know, get to see if they were coming on a match day. And those are mainly the player areas. So they would go into the first team dressing room, walk out the tunnel, pitch side, sit in the dugout. And also with this stadium, they would also go into custom built NFL facilities, explore some of our premium areas and really get an overview of Tottenham Hotspur, the club, but also Tottenham Hotspur, the stadium. So that's our stadium tour um, that that we offer and deliver. And uh, you mentioned taking things to new heights. So uh, this is very relevant for the Dare Skywalk. So this is a new attraction which opened in August 2020. So this really takes visitors on a different experience um, in the stadium and people harness up, they clip on and they go on a journey which takes them up to the roof of the stadium across um, an apex which is 46.8 meters above the pitch so it's clear glass you can see um, the stadium below and then onto a viewing platform which has amazing views out to London so we are in North London a really different aspect of of the city and you know quite a wide panorama which is absolutely lovely so visitors can have a drink there glass of champagne a beer And then our latest attraction, which is the Dare Skywalk Edge, which if visitors are feeling particularly brave, they can finish their Dare Skywalk experience by going over the edge and descending on a controlled descent uh, 42 metres to the south podium below. Crazy. (laughs) You've been you've been right. I have been. Yeah. So we we actually in September 2020. um, So during the pandemic, but at a point where we were all allowed out to do, you know, things. And we actually saw Jose that day. So he came out, yeah, while we were up on top of the roof, he came out on the pitch and um, shouted up. He, I, can't, I can't remember what they were saying, but we had, people were shouting down at him and he was shouting up. So it was incredible. It, uh, it, it, was, it was such an um, organised experience. Like everything felt very safe. Everything felt very slick. And actually, you know, being on the roof of your football stadium was mad. Like I could look down and see where my season ticket seat was. 
it was yeah it was just a, a really crazy experience and like you say like part of it looking at the views of of kind of north london and then into into london far far across london was pretty spectacular actually uh, it yeah i mean where where did the idea come from to do this so I guess Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is home to Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, but it's so much more than just a football stadium. It's, you know, host to other sporting and entertainment events. So the stadium um, is the London home to the NFL. So it's the only stadium outside of North America that's been specifically designed for American football. So we've got custom built NFL spaces, you know, locker rooms, and we actually have two pitches. So we have a grass um, football playing surface, which that then slides out and underneath there's an NFL artificial surface below. Um, so we've got a partnership with the NFL that they will play at least two of their London games here for um, over a 10 year period. We've already hosted a major boxing event. We've got rugby um, coming later this year. We've got concerts coming later this year. So it's already been announced that Lady Gaga and Guns N' Roses will be playing in the summer. So it's really a multi-purpose sports and entertainment venue and, you know, a new landmark in London. And I think that's where the idea of the Skywalk and the attractions, they really support and tie into that idea of it being a London venue that's host to major events and it's also open and activated throughout the year so it's not just on traditional you know football match days which you know there's 25 days a year and there's you know a lot more that we can be doing uh with the stadium so it's about activating the stadium throughout the year and it's about bringing people to Tottenham and the local area creating new opportunities and also with engaging uh with and connecting with new people beyond our fan base so you, you could argue that the stadium tour is perhaps more aligned to football fans, um, which, of course, it is. But there are, you know, lots of interesting elements about our stadium, the architecture, the design, the technology. Um, but especially with something like the Dare Skywalk, we do see it as, you know, it's an attraction within London and you can come and enjoy amazing views of London. You know, it's adventurous. Uh, there's lots of kind of things that it ticks. So, Yes, of course, it's for our fans, but also it's beyond beyond and helping us to engage with new audiences as well. Yeah, I love that idea. I think that the, the idea that a football stadium, I mean, it, if you're a fan, I think if you're a, if obviously if you're a Tottenham fan, these are uh, attractions that you want to go and visit, you want to be able to take part in. But as a football fan, the stadium is a huge draw. I mean, it is a phenomenal piece of engineering it is beautiful the facilities are incredible I think anyone that has an interest in football would love to go there and to be able to see that so that must be a draw for some of the the stadium tours what was interesting was when we were on the tour there were actually two Arsenal fans exactly which was like oh okay you know they kept it quiet for a while and, and then told us whilst when we were up the top but from their opinion you know they, they wanted to come and see it, it wasn't necessarily about the football stadium it was about the attraction and being able to take exactly. something fun. Yeah, definitely. You know, we uh, welcome anyone, uh, no matter what team they support. <laughs> Obviously, it's quite fun, you know, have some fun with anyone who supports, you know, our North London rivals. But, you know, that's exactly it. It's about, um, you know, an attraction in London, a fun thing to do, things for families, couples. You know, there's lots of different people that we're trying to um, attract. That's brilliant. Uh, what, what were the biggest kind of challenges in getting those attractions up and running? I mean, obviously, from a health and safety point of view, I can imagine that that conversation was like, we've got this idea about taking um, taking people up on the roof and then dangling them over the side. How do you feel about it? 
Yeah, exactly. I guess um, the biggest challenges, I mean, firstly, with with this, just going back to the stadium tour. So we opened a stadium tour in July 2019 and the stadium opened in March 2019. So it was an exceptionally busy time at the club. You know, not only were we opening a new attraction experience, but we were opening a brand new stadium. So it was a rapidly expanding team. You know, we'd been at White Hart Lane, capacity of 36,000. The the club had been playing at Wembley. And then we were opening um, the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which has a capacity of over 62,000. And, it, you know, it's a multi-purpose venue. So the first priority was obviously to open the stadium, to have Spurs return to playing and fans return Um, to being at their new home. So what we needed to do as an attractions team was um, to develop and open the tour experience kind of against this backdrop. So much of our planning was, you know, when the stadium was still a construction site, there were thousands of trades, you know, working on the stadium a day. It was so, so busy. But what we really wanted to do was there was so much momentum and it was such an exciting time at the club. So we worked with our colleagues to kind of be involved in that momentum and how could we get involved in, you know, the match day experiences. One of the key things that the club wanted to deliver with this new stadium was an unrivaled fan experience. And that's what we want to do, an unrivaled fan guest experience on the visitor attraction. So much of the things that we did when we were setting up were also aligned with the opening of the stadium. So, for example, part of that, we delivered our Spurs Way training to a wide range of people who would be working on a match day. I'm talking, you know, people who do sniffer dog patrols to catering to retail and the attractions were very much a part of that. So, you know, that meant that we could be involved with the approach for the stadium and make sure there was that cohesion and um, consistency across what we were doing. And then on the other side, we also needed to make sure we could actually deliver something with a moving timeline and work out what we could open realistically that matched the ambition that delivered a great thing for our for our guests and for our visitors and fans. Um, so we decided to open with a guided stadium tour and really tell the story of Tottenham and the stadium um, through people when we first opened. Um, so that enabled us to kind of incorporate with obviously the focus of opening the stadium and then deliver the first of the attractions quite quickly after that. And then we knew we would develop them further on. And then with the opening of the Skywalk, so all of this was incorporated into the design of the stadium, which is obviously great because we're not retrofitting everything. You know, it's all very much part of the stadium build. Um, So, you know, a lot of those conversations, you know, began 10 years ago before I was um, at the club. So that was very much, you know, that was intrinsically part of the stadium build and design, which obviously always helps. Um, I guess the really the biggest challenge from our side was that we ended up doing a lot of the last kind of four months. It was, yeah, four month period we were doing in a lockdown because as I've mentioned with anyone with the dates, though we've all kind of tried to slightly block out our minds, um, we opened the Dare Skywalk at the end of very end of August 2020. I think we, you know, we opened it on the 31st of August. That was our first public day. So much of the things that when you're mobilizing a new attraction, you know, that come in that last three to four months, they're very much the on-site, the people, the recruitment, testing training all of those things and that ended up 
having to be done within, you know, the national lockdown and, you know, and a very strict national lockdown, you know, as, you know, as was right, of course, at the time, but not work from home if you can. It was like everyone was working from home. So we end, we were already, you know, very much on the journey in terms of like when we were going to open the Skywalk um, and then the, the pandemic happened. So we moved the timeline slightly and we probably it was probably about six, maybe six to eight weeks from what we had originally planned. Okay. Obviously, you never normally plan to open a new attraction the last day of August. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we decided that, you know, we were still going to open it and open it as you know when it was safe and we were you know allowed to do so from a government perspective and also you know when we were ready so that was that was the biggest challenge I mean I'm you know loads of people have talked about pandemic challenges on this podcast and just in generally of course it was you know a very challenging time but that especially with such like a physical attraction where people are coming and doing an activity yeah it brought new new challenges I uh, can only imagine how challenging that was uh, it's interesting though because it's it, it it wasn't delayed as as much as I thought it was you know six to eight weeks actually I would have thought oh it was you know it's gonna be months and months and months where you had to keep pushing back but that's that's not in, in the grand scheme of things that doesn't sound like too too bad um what were the reactions from visitors when they were able to come with it was there a, a, a you know a pent-up demand because you'd been talking about it for so long yeah, the reaction was really fantastic. Feedback, um, yeah, has been really, really positive. The funny thing for us is that we've been open since the end of August 2020, but we've never actually done a full year of operation. So that's the difference. And it's like the stadium has been open three years, but we don't have three years worth of experience because it's right. been such a fragmented time within that period. You know, we opened in August, we had a good September, then I think... October was good then we got to the end of October half term and then I think we went into the circuit breaker lockdown for November we then reopened for a bit in December and then we ended up closing and then we had that I think at the time we thought oh maybe it's like a month lockdown and then of course ended up I think being until around April and we could open the skywalk earlier because it's an outdoor attraction so that was a positive so we were able to get people through but yeah, the initial reaction and the reaction we've had subsequently, you know, feedback's been really positive, which is great. But it's also on the flip side, we've never really, we're now, I feel, in a period where we've had like a good run at things, but we've kind of missed out that first bit that you would normally get with something new where you're kind of tweaking and perfecting in the traditional sense whereas we were kind of tweaking and perfecting and uh, right outdoor attractions okay so this is outdoor but some of our elements are inside how do we relook at that to, to bring them you know in line make sure everyone's safe and things but actually in doing that we have slightly changed the flow of things um then you know that they actually work better so we're of course obviously looking to constantly improve constantly tweak you know constantly you know monitoring customer feedback net promoter scores trip advisor feedback all of those kind of traditional things that you would think but also kind of then having the pandemic side within it as well that's really interesting so you do, so do you think that the kind of stop start challenges that you've had have actually helped in some way by by making you step back and refine it maybe quicker than you would have um yeah, I guess if we were to take a positive, which I'm always happy to try and <laughs> have a positive, yes, I think 
it what well, it was obviously you know very challenging you know in that at that time trying to work out but yeah I think subsequently we probably have made some tweaks and small updates to the overall kind of visitor flow and operation which probably worked better that had we not been kind of forced into that situation they may not have arisen so yeah probably a small few things like that there's always a positive isn't there exactly. I'm desperate to find a silver lining in anything <laughs> I like to find that spin as well <laughs> and so I can remember uh, I can remember when when we came on our visit and there was like certain hashtags that we could upload like our pictures to social media and stuff too which we did we'd love to get involved how much has digital and social media kind of played a role in the marketing of that attraction? Yeah, hugely. I mean, we haven't done any out of home marketing yet. And that was really a decision of the time because, you know, why would you do that when people aren't necessarily traveling in, in the normal way? So yeah, digital and social were hugely important. We also had a really great launch, um, which our PR team did and working with influencers and, you know, key people on social media and also digital channels to make sure that we could kind of get the message out there, uh, launch it. So that was really fantastic. We always want people to review us on TripAdvisor and share their experiences there. That's a huge thing for us because obviously with attractions, you know, it's so vital in people finding, you know, finding new things to do. And especially because of the situation that we've been in, there's obviously a huge market that's missing and that's the international market. And at the beginning, you know, the pandemic in that time, actually people were, you know, wanting to go and do things kind of outside of London and outside of the city. And that was also kind of concern, especially with the attractions venues in London, that actually people were going to stay away because they wanted, you know, to go to, you know, seaside locations, countryside. Um, So yeah, that was really important and there's something that we're building on and making sure that we can build on and again and expand to new audiences um so we also used a lot of our own channels at that time as well we're really lucky that you know we've got such a fantastic fan base that we can talk to and we do have like a lot of internal channels that we can use um so that along with digital and social was yeah a key thing that the marketing teams focused on and now we're kind of looking to take that to uh, develop that even further yeah so I guess now that we're seeing people starting to come back there's more opportunity to start looking at that international market and really getting new people through the doors yeah absolutely what about people coming back because this is always a thing with repeat visitors so you know an attraction like a theme park you know there's annual passes that you can purchase you might take your kids you know to that you know know, every couple of months depending on where you live if you're located to it how do you keep these attractions current and how do you keep people kind of coming back to do return visits yeah it's so important to keep the attractions current and it's something that we very much focus on so talking about stadium tours um for a bit so as I mentioned we opened with a guided stadium tour but it was always our ambition that we would go to a multimedia guide option but guided tours perform very well with focus groups and they perform very well visitor feedback customers really like guided tours but it's how we could take those elements and use more of multimedia the technology that we have in the stadium to help bring the story to life even further and also offer more flexibility 
and also more personal experiences um, for our customers. That was something that was really important to us. So we've already done quite a lot of updates to our stadium tour just in that time period. And we have a program of work um, scheduled to make sure that we can keep things current, keep things fresh. It's really important for us that we can keep kind of using new technologies that are coming out that maybe we already have in the stadium or that are perhaps more traditionally attractions focused that we can bring in. We're lucky that we have lots of brilliant spaces in the stadium. And actually to do a whole tour of the stadium, we'd probably be here for about five hours. Um, But it's how we can bring in different areas um, on the route that people haven't seen before, add new things in. And, you know, also looking at certain periods where we might open a space during the summer period you know, or or tying into things like that. So that's really important for us. And then on the Skywalk, so we started with the Skywalk Roofwalk experience, which I've mentioned, and then the Edge, which is the controlled descent element that opened in summer last year. So we've already added onto the experience uh, within that time. And we're looking at ways in which we can I guess, use the space that's up there. You know, you've been up there yourself, but for people who haven't, there's actually quite a large viewing platform. So that would really lend itself to kind of events or pop-up things, um, you know, so that we can incorporate things within that experience um, that are perhaps a bit different. And then the other things we're looking at is just how we talk about and also market the different climb experiences. So for example, coming on a day like today, which actually would be a perfect day because it's uh, such a nice sunny day with the blue sky. Um, but coming on a day like today versus coming in the evening when the sunset or, you know, the stars are out. So it's how we talk about those different experiences because it's, you know, a different element or coming on a match day. So the Dare Skywalk um, is open up to two hours before kickoff. So as you said, when you came, you actually saw the manager at the time, <laughs> which was a real treat. And it's not um, not saying that, Obviously, we don't uh, have that every day. But if you come on a match day, obviously, that is a completely different experience. And there's lots of activity um, happening in and around the stadium, both, you know, in the exterior with people arriving. But also when you're looking down um, into the pitch, there's that's a different element as opposed to a day like today. It's probably a bit more calm. Um, a quiet time there <laughs> it was super windy the day that we came as well I've got this I've got this video of me and my hair is like <laughs> that's just like that just adds yeah. to it yeah, yeah it was great it was good fun even more adrenaline <laughs> I'm thinking weddings on the roof that that is a lovely big space up there with the beautiful views I'm thinking I'm thinking weddings up there well, we've had we've had quite a few proposals ah. which is lovely <laughs> um so yeah and and again with those personalized experiences so we do you know proposal packages for people that kind of really want to yeah take that proposal to the next level no pun intended Um, but yeah we have had quite a few up there which is uh, really lovely and also a few in the stadium as well but we are licensed for weddings up there so you know if anyone's interested yeah, I mean, I'm glad that this is going out after I just got married because I'm pretty <laughs> sure that would have been on Lee's list of venues to do the wedding at. And I love Tottenham, don't get me wrong. Just not sure if I'd want to get married there. A climb seat and a wedding dress. It's not a good look for me. <laughs> Too windy, it would mess up my hair. <laughs> yeah. So what's next? Are there any more exciting plans for different attractions or anything new that's coming that you can share with us? Yeah, so there are um, some new things coming, probably not that I can say right now, but we are looking at a number of uh, new attractions that we could add into our 
existing experiences. We're also um, going to be launching later this year technical tours. So these are quite um, detailed and specific, but they will give customers another kind of view of the stadium and really focus on the, you know, the technical capabilities, the design, the architecture. So, you know, it would take people um, underneath the pitch, pitch pocket, underneath the pitch. So really to get a completely different um, perspective. So we're really looking at how we can bring in different interests, um, again, attract different audiences that perhaps um, wouldn't necessarily come to go in the dressing room, but they're very interested in the architecture and the design of the stadium. Um, And then, yeah, with the Skywalk, yeah, as I say, looking at how we can use that space um, on the roof and how we can incorporate different things into there to give different experiences uh, to, to our visitors. Love it. I'm very excited to see how these new things develop. I do probably need to come back and be brave and dangle myself over the side of the building as well, because that wasn't open when we came. So that was my excuse for not doing it. You absolutely do. Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. I'm actually not that great with heights, but I did feel very safe and secure up there. So I was okay. But yeah, if I can do it, you can do it. Have you done it? Have you? Oh, you've had to test them all, of course. Of course. Yeah, no, I couldn't possibly, you know, I couldn't possibly not do it. But I also would not naturally, uh, you know, dangle myself off the side of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But <laughs> I have done it a couple of times. So, yeah, you must come back and do it. That's something to tell. What did you do at work today? Oh, just, you know, just parasail down the side of, of the building. Standard day in the office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just another day. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for coming on and sharing. Um, we're at the end of the podcast. And I always ask our guests if they want to share a book that they love, something that can be... Uh, work related or just a personal book that they really love to share what have you got for us so I I'm going down more personal route I I do love a self-improvement kind of I call them self-improvement books but you know kind of mindset and you know I'm really interested in in those things but I was thinking about it and I was like sometimes actually just reading a good novel if you're in you know you're feeling quite stressed or you've got a lot on sometimes just reading a good book can really take you out of that headspace and actually that's you know always a good thing so I really like the writer David Nichols so I really love the understudy I also really like it because David Nichols used to be an actor before he was a writer and actually the understudy is a bit I mean it's not autobiographical at all but it kind of does take a bit from he was an understudy for a long time and I guess from working in theatre before, I just really liked that book. And that led me to One Day, which you might have seen the film, you might have read the book. But One Day is a really beautiful book, in my opinion, to the point where I'll always pop into a charity shop. I love going into charity shops and they'll often have it in there because it was, you know, such a bestseller for like a pound or something. So I'll normally pick them up and then just give them to people oh. for like a nice, you know, have you read this book? No. Oh, here it is. I think it's a nice thing to do. That's really lovely. That's such a nice thing to do. I think giving a book as a gift that you love is such a personal thing to share. Yeah, so I kind of, yeah, and also I've kind of cheated because I've given you two things, two books. Sorry. Everyone, <laughs> everyone does this. Everyone blows my marketing budget on a weekly basis on this podcast, but thanks. You just need to go to the charity shop. <laughs> yes. In I'm fact, I'll find you. a copy at home now. I was looking at my bookshelf last night and um, 
I uh, actually have two copies of One Day on there at the moment, so I should just send you one. Well, there you go. So if you want to win Laura's book, as ever, if you go over to our Twitter account and you share this this announcement, podcast announcement, with the words, I want Laura's book, she's going to send you that. I'll, I'll get her I to will. send it directly to you. I will. <laughs> Thank you. You've saved my marketing budget. Um, it's been so lovely to have you on today. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing. I didn't ask you, though. Are you actually a massive Tottenham fan? I wasn't a Tottenham fan before I started working here. That's what I'll say. But I'm absolutely a Tottenham fan now. It's evolved. The love, the love is there. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been great to chat to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Skip the Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip the Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese, a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.